0: Hello and welcome again to Edgeguard, a podcast where we take a closer look at games on the fringe. My name is Blake Beckett and I'm joined as always by my good friend Jordan.
1: Jordan Pruitt. See, I, Blake Beckett, we don't often use our last names, but that's... You uh, like
0: don't need that. to know my last name. That's privileged information.
1: <laughs> I think that might be on your Twitter.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think it definitely... My Twitter handle might be Blake underscore Beckett. But that's beside the point. This is a personal podcast where people... Uh, it doesn't matter, Jordan. Let's
1: talk about... I'm going to call you Mr. Black- Beckett for the rest of this, this episode. Mr. Bleck Beckett? <laughs> no, 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 words are hard. I'm going to just gonna call you Mr. Beckett. Or Mr. Uh, Beckett. Sir Beckett.
0: You would not be the first. There was a, I had a friend Beckett. in high school that thought my last name was really cool and just called me Mr. Beckett all the time. Um, but you Beckett. know what else is really cool in high school? Up- upward. Video games. Uh, video game. Yeah, <laughs> video games. Upward by pocket fruit uh or uh, according to the itch.io page matthias falk
1: uh-huh.
0: uh upward is a uh super uh, i don't want to say simple it's a stripped down uh puzzle platformer yes um where the only thing you can do is uh jump your character can do it is jump yeah,
1: like and literally vertically you are you yeah. have no left and right control over your character yeah.
0: a fixed uh. distance upward yes uh upward Funny enough uh, uh-huh. you don't know, get it um and uh i don't know it's uh, it's uh, tricky turns out when you uh when you like strip away your mechanics, you kind of end up with a little
1: uh, little bastard of a game here. That uh, mm-hmm. is, uh, well, wait, one, one other thing to say about it is uh-huh. we'll, we'll talk about this more later in the podcast, oh, yes. but just to be aware of why we picked it is because it was made in Pico 8, which is a, a game development environment that people used to make like 8 bit games. So, we're gonna talk a little bit about that at the end. Um, but just so you know, yeah. that's that's uh, why we selected this game, but. As well, it's saying. not the
0: only reason we selected this game, I think, but I definitely wanted
1: to. Talk well, sure, about that's Pico not 8. the only reason we selected it because it seemed interesting, but um, yeah, we were yeah. we wanted to talk about Pico Eight. Um, yes, as definitely. well, and we and indeed
0: we will. Mm-hmm. Uh, but first, let's. I mean, so it's a puzzle platformer where the only thing your character can do is jump up. So basically, how you end up solving levels is you have to. There are a few ways that you can. Uh, make your get your character to move laterally, which are you can uh, jump in front of certain enemies, and the enemies... Mm-hmm. So you're like a little... I don't know, you're like a little slime or something? You're like a little... A little, blob or a, ghost a guy. Or slime. Yeah, a blob. And you just kind of... Uh, the enemies are similar little blobs, and they just kind of scoot along these platforms. And certain enemies, if you jump in front of them, uh, they will scoot into you and push you around. Mm-hmm. So um, how you're generally... Um, Moving is that you're getting scooted around by enemies until a certain point, then jumping up uh, to get to the goal, which they, oh, the goal is always at the top of the level. It's like a little mm-hmm. fruit that you collect. Yes. Uh, and the game plays a little jingle and goes, oh yeah.
1: But uh, there are also conveyor belts that can move yeah, you back Yeah.
0: Conveyor forth. belts also. I feel like conveyor belts don't come up until a little bit later. Um, probably because yeah. the, the game has to teach you that you can uh, that getting pushed by enemies
1: is like mm-hmm. a big thing. Cause conveyor yeah. belts kind of just make sense. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and then the last way that at least I encountered, of, mm-hmm. of affecting your movement is just, you can time when you're going to land on, uh, sometimes by jumping up and down on a conveyor belt, you can affect, functionally oh, sure. affect your speed. Um, and then you can affect when you land on these dissolving platforms. Yeah. Um, Sure, When that well, you can use that to strategically get yourself in the right position to get pushed along. Um, yeah. And then, based on just those little, those very simple mechanics, uh, there's a a whole puzzle platformer built from it, um, mm-hmm. with a, a surprising variety of levels. Uh, even though I, um, I must say, this game is quite hard, and yeah, I was only a- able to get through three levels. Yeah, um, get, get and wrecked. then the rest of them. Uh, I watched, uh, th- luckily someone had posted a YouTube video of them playing the game to yeah. the, and I made it even farther comments. than that person. Oh, you did? Uh-huh, oh yeah. because yeah, so all I, I've seen I, is up to that person.
0: I still wasn't able to finish the game. Um,
1: yeah, it's uh, tricky.
0: Yeah. It's a, uh, it's a little bastard, this one. <laughs> so, um, I, I kind of want to, uh, I think, so the first thing is that, um, well, uh, you already mentioned we're going to talk about Pico Eight more, but something Pico Eight does is that it uh, kind of restricts the amount of. You know, maybe we should talk about Pico Eight now. Do you? Do you want to yeah, talk sure. about Pico Eight? Sure, go now? for it. If, okay,
1: if you have so, thoughts about Pico Eight, go I do. For
0: it. Uh, so I, because I, well, I think the the design of this game is closely tied to the limitations of Pico Eight and why Pico mm. Eight exists. So that's uh, I think something we should talk about. So so Pico Eight um, is something that I've been known about. Uh, I, I probably heard about it like late last year, or maybe even before that. But basically, what Pico Eight is is a f- fictional game console. Is what it's billed as. Here, let's let's read the description on uh, the <laughs> wa- uh, website. Pico 8 is a fantasy console for making, sharing, and playing tiny games and other computer programs. When you turn it on, the machine greets you with a shell for typing Lua commands and provides simple built-in tools for creating your own cartridges. So that's kind of like the brief intro, but basically what this kind of does is it kind of emulates uh, what I assume to be how games were made uh, back in the day on like a Super Nintendo it's it's probably a little bit more user friendly than that and a little bit more accessible than that. Yeah, but, um, I'm sure. Like when you load up Pico8, it's like a command line interface, or uh, if uh, if you're pr- for the programs out there, programmers out there, CLI. <laughs> Shout out to my programmers. <laughs> but um, no, it opens up a little command line interface where you can like type in commands, and you're like typing in Lua scripts uh, and Lua drawing- scripts lua lua is a is a scripting language
1: oh interesting
0: lua yeah um huh. so so kind of the idea is that the development is not it's not as like simple and accessible as something like unity like you're working in from a little command line interface and it's super limited they they only support like a, i think like a 60 64 different colors the, the idea yeah. is that it's kind of uh emulates the limitations of uh, real life uh original like 8-bit game consoles like the super nintendo or not mm-hmm. 8-bit 8-bit would be like the nintendo entertainment system and like the oh what's the sega one the genesis, genesis? is the well no the genesis is like the 16-bit one isn't it
1: oh dude um, i know nothing about sega game systems
0: yeah who does right who needs no, them
1: nobody um, um but go go ahead, oh, go ahead.
0: So, so the 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 Pico Eight is kind of designed to emulate the the limitations of early console game development, uh, and it's intentionally made to here. Let's let's read this little this little blurb. The harsh limitations of Pico Eight are carefully chosen to be fun to work with, encourage small but expressive designs, and hopefully to give Pico Eight cartridges their own particular look and feel. And I'm glad it said cartridges because that's another thing is that the game has uh, or the fictional console has like a file type that is like their fantasy cartridge and they only support like a certain size of cartridge Mm -hmm. and (laughs) they're really easily shareable. Uh, so they've built, uh, they built Pico eight in a way such that like the games can be played in a browser super easily, uh, which is, which is super cool. And I'm pretty sure I shouldn't be, shouldn't quote me on this, but I'm pretty sure there have been people that have made like their own, Pico 8 like actual physical console where they like 3D printed a housing and put like a raspberry oh, pi really? in it yeah and I'm pretty sure they oh, like cool. I swear I'm. this might be total bullshit this might be my brain like filling in some blanks like um, but I feel like um, someone like even built little like a type of cartridge that like you could hook up to this little thing um, but anyway I, I, uh, you know Oh yeah, no! Um, maybe it's this blue-based oh. fantasy console Pico Eight to launch as a physical handheld. So maybe oh, like a I Game
1: Boy. I of, yeah. Oh, I think that's dude! I nice. Um, I I mean I was thinking that this game in particular Upward makes sense as a mobile game, but I guess it would also make sense as a handheld game. Mm-hmm. That's that's a good idea. Um, so one of the things that I find really interesting about Pico Eight is that it's like it's not I so I haven't actually used it myself, but I get the impression that it's not built simply with like design, like enabling the power of the designer in mind. Like that's not the main goal. It's it really turns like game design into a kind of almost a kind of game, like, Mm -hmm. like with constraints that they easily could remove. Mm -hmm. Like it, you know, yeah, obviously. Hardware limitations. Hardware are limitations not, are not are part here. Of this. Um, but it, one of the things that's so different about like game design now and game design in like the early '90s is you know when you read about like the the crazy like creative workarounds that uh, game programmers had to do in like you know ni- 1992, mm-hmm. and in order to uh, make their games small enough to fit on. Cartridges that would be playable. Um, it really informs their design decisions a lot of times, mm. um, and so this is like an attempt to like recreate the the limitations of the designer, like not the the power of the designer, but to actually mm-hmm. remove some of your power in order to create like uh, an environment where you're forced to like think creatively about design in different ways. And it seems yeah. it seems really interesting for that reason. And then mm-hmm. even like the interface, uh, it's like. Um, it, <laughs> it's all a bit, right? Like, yeah, y- even when you're like typing and stuff, it, it, mm-hmm. it is not like a, yeah, it's a, a little modern bit more... looking interface.
0: Okay. So, uh, I'm glad that you mentioned that it would be like a, a fun design like problem to try and use Pico eight. Cause that's actually, I just remembered that's the context in which I kind of came back to, it. because I'd heard of Pico eight before, but then recently on Twitter, uh, I think it was Teddy Deef, uh, who is a developer indie developer. He worked on uh, hyperlight drifter. Um, he oh, was nice. tweeting about actually messing with Pico eight. Uh, the company that makes it Lexal is making like a 3d version, like similar idea called Voxatron which is like voxel based instead of like pixel based. Um, and, uh, he was like taking breaks from working on like my actual games to like work in, uh, like Voxatron is really fun because it's, it's like play. It feels like I'm gamifying making games, which is cool when you've been making games for a lot of years uh, yeah. and you still love it, but it, it's like starts to feel a lot more like work. So, uh, it's a, it's, it's, it's a cool, I don't know. It's a different way for, for games to be made that I think adds some fun limitation. Um, and also it's, I don't know. It's just, I just, I think it's is a neat idea. Like here's yeah. a fantasy game console. It doesn't really exist. It's existence is self-imposed, uh, to make things like more interesting, which is, I don't know. It's a cool idea to me.
1: Yeah. I think it is too. I had never heard of Voxatron. I just, uh, Googled it and it's, that seems super interesting too. Yeah. Um, yeah, Voxatron like is
0: newer. It's like in the yeah. earlier stages of like it's an alpha still.
1: Is it a um, similar sort of or concept reality? or? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it it's, like... it's
0: made by the same people. It's like kind of the same thing, but it's uh, it's voxels instead of pixels, so it's like 3D, but it's like limited 3D. I think it's all kind of yeah. like fixed perspective type stuff. But I don't huh. know. I haven't messed with that at all. I do have it, That's but I haven't messed with it. Uh, but anyway, if huh. if any of this sounds cool and you're a person that makes games, uh, you should check out Pico Eight, uh, like Lexeloffel. Mm-hmm com slash pico. If you search pico eight, p i c o eight, you're gonna find it. Mm. Um, but anyway, um, all of this is to say that uh, upward is a pico eight game, and so it has uh, some like very specific limitations that probably yes. largely arise. Or I guess it was made with limitations in mind, and I think that's why you only have one input yeah. as the player.
1: Yeah. So that's. I think it's really a great kind of like test case for like. Uh, creativity of constraint because mm-hmm. um, the one of the limitations of Pico Eight is that the only controls you can have are two buttons plus a D pad, so that is a total of six <laughs> buttons. That um, well, I guess I don't know if the D pad allows for diagonals, but mm-hmm. something like six buttons mm-hmm. um, total that you can work with. And this game Upward was just like, well, let's just. One button. Let's do it even... How far can we take the constraints? Can you Mm. build a game where there's literally only one button? Yeah. Um, And 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 actually... Go ahead. I, I don't think I've ever played any game that has one... I have literally one button. I don't think, you, what What's the game? You did play? you never play? I, f- I feel like it was called like Impossible Game. Oh shit! You're right. <laughs> I did play <laughs> yes. that. I did play that.
0: Yeah, but I think I uh, <laughs> where where Upward differs from Impossible Game and probably almost any other one button game is most one button games are action games because if you yes. think about when you only have one button, uh, the important the key is timing. That basically yep. one button games become timing games. Uh, mm-hmm. but, and when you subtract it down to just one button, you can make the timing very specific and very hard to sort of get your head around, but it's when it's the only mechanic that you can kind of let the player, like mm-hmm. they really have to like work on it and figure out the, the timing. Uh, but, but anyway, um, all of this is to say, uh, upward is not an action game. It's a, it's a puzzle game, which I oh, haven't yeah. seen a one button puzzle game and it's, uh, I, I don't know. I'm not know i
1: not it's, I mean it still results in the same sort of thing where it's like um, I, I mean timing is the only way to like mm-hmm. make one button pressing have any dimensionality to it mm-hmm. uh, but it, it is timing in a very different way where you have to figure out the timing mm-hmm. less the um, more than like, Master the timing as yeah, a reflex. You have, to, you have to figure out the timing Solve and then the timing.
0: execute it, which is uh, which yeah, is yeah. Sometimes the execution turns out to be hard too. Yeah, in this game. <laughs> yeah, I do um, think it it ends up being, uh, pretty rough. As
1: the as the many times that I, uh, accidentally jumped on the head of the pusher unit. Oh my gosh! You know, a test. That's actually that's, um, the, that's the most depressing thing that oh can yeah. happen in the game is when you accidentally kill the the pusher yeah. units yeah because you can jump on the head of the bad units to kill them but you can also jump on the head of the good units to kill them and it is yeah a so bummer. W-
0: we should be specific there are basically like two types of enemies black ones which if they touch you at all then you die and then mm-hmm. little white ones that standard uh, goomba
1: style yeah yeah
0: <laughs> yeah you got your different color variants but the white ones will push you around and they'll still um if you hit them from below you'll die uh, and if you jump on their head, they'll kill them. Same as the black ones. But if you if they hit you from the side, they'll push you. But uh, you mentioned earlier, like jumping and then jumping on their heads, and how much that sucks. And that's actually, I think, one of the like important design pieces here. I think since since you're you're all you're down to one player input, you have to uh, get really crafty, and everything has to work a very specific, consistent way. Uh, and the Something that you'll get the impulse to do a lot in this game is if you jump too early and the little guy is walking at you and you want to be on the other side of him so he can push you in the other direction, because usually they just walk back and forth, you know, they just kind of pace back and forth. If you try and jump over them, you can't. You will always, if you, there's no way to time it so that you jump over them. You'll always jump and land on their head, which... I didn't realize until I'd done it a few times that like, oh, there's like, that's the very specific reason for like puzzle solving. is like, if I jump up to this platform and I'm on the wrong side, there's no way to be on the right side without killing this thing. Unless there's uh, other stuff above them, like conveyor belts or someone else to push you. Um, Yeah. But Um, that's a very important, I don't know, I guess it's like puzzle games when you build them they have to have very specific rules and you have to like Mm -hmm. teach the player the rules so that they can solve the puzzles and uh that's that's a big one that uh like sort of intuitively you get but uh knowing Mm -hmm. it like consciously i was like aha
1: yeah i mean the the difference between like I, I would say that I, I felt like I understood consciously what I had to do in this mm-hmm. game very well for the most part mm-hmm. but like intuitively, I just could not force my intuitive mind mm-hmm. to get on board um, mm-hmm. a lot of times and this is something you and I talked about a little bit uh, before the podcast. but mm-hmm. um, there one of the things that this game kind of like interestingly helped me like realize about my own investments in games is like mm-hmm. how much. I am unconsciously married to like two dimensional movement when it mm. comes to interacting with a game interface. Like I just could not stop myself from pushing the left and right arrow mm-hmm. keys, trying to move to the left and right whenever I was in a. Especially if I got really close where I, to where I needed to be. Yeah, you just wanted to like I, nudge I'm just like, yourself. I just need to move slightly. It's just like so, so like ingrained mm-hmm. in like my video game playing education that it is, it was a serious challenge to like try to remove left and right movement from my mind.
0: Yeah. It's, it's kind of funny how that stuff gets like stuck in there. And it's also, I feel like is a similar, um, a similar thing that happens when like someone who doesn't you watch someone who doesn't play video games very often and you're like yeah, seeing, they don't re-
1: have like the reflex.
0: Yeah. And then they also just don't have like the weird knowledge of like, they don't play video games all the time. So they don't understand how they work. So you're like, why are you doing that? That doesn't make any sense. Why would you ever do that? A game would never let you do that. It's like, this person yeah. doesn't know that actually <laughs> recently. Um, I convinced some friends to like play through like a narrative game together. Um, and oh, like, what game? Uh, until dawn.
1: Oh, I actually haven't played Until Dawn.
0: Oh, it's a it's a lot of fun. It's basically like a teen slasher movie video game.
1: Oh, I'm that's right. I'm yeah. familiar with this game.
0: Yeah. So um It's so like anyway. very
1: gruesome, right?
0: Uh yeah, pretty gruesome at parts. Um yeah, yeah. but we had all of us were playing, we're basically passing the controller around, each person's playing a different character and uh like three of five of the people are like play video games all the time actually it was basically everyone but one and uh uh, this person was uh not having a good time when everyone's yelling to be like do this hit this button hit the button and the person just like shut the fuck up so like it's definitely like a a weird thing that happens when you play a lot of video games is you like have instincts and when games like break those instincts um Mm -hmm. Honestly, this is kind of weird. And like, this is obviously more of a traditional game, but I feel like, uh, Dark Souls was a game that, uh, one of the, I think the reason so many people consider it like really hard is that it uh, it doesn't, uh, adhere to, uh, like game design rules that had existed and been the norm in that style of game for many, many years. Yeah. Uh, cause like really like in most action games, like third person action games, you're running around, you know, most of the normal enemies are not gonna, they're not going to kill you unless you're, you're like really fucking up Whereas, like a dark souls enemy. Almost any enemy can dark souls could kill you at yep. any time, even late in the game. Yep. If you're, if you get lazy, they'll kill you.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and
0: like, th- it, th- there's a lot more you could go into that. I won't hear because it's kind of off topic, but, um, it is important for certain games. I think to, um, to push back against, uh, what is, uh, considered standard, uh mm-hmm. i think to to move forward in certain ways to say like hey we've kind of got this rut here what if we did this different thing and subverted people's expectations yeah. it's gonna be it's gonna be more risky because people might just be like well this is really frustrating i'm gonna bail uh but i think you can come up with something really interesting and i'm not i'm not sure where uh, upward lands in there i think neither of us finished the game i got a little further than you, you didn't get you didn't get very far at all but it's a, no,
1: I, this game just beat me. I I was defeated by a
0: yeah, and I, I like I don't blame you. Like there was a point when I was on, I think either the level you quit on or maybe the next one where I was like, do I want to keep playing? But then I was like, well, no, I know what I need to do. I just need to like figure out the timing, and then yeah. I was able to get through and get through through a few more levels. And the one I got to again, I knew what I needed to do, but the timing was just like yeah, so specific that I I just couldn't I couldn't grok
1: it, couldn't make it happen. Mm-hmm. Um, um, yeah, uh, I mean, I, I felt like I gave it, I gave it the old college try. I probably mm-hmm. tried for like 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. I, that one, well, maybe not a full 45, I don't know. I was talking that level for like a solid 30 minutes at least. And yeah. I was like, there's, wow. there's no hope. There's n- nothing's ever going to happen here. <laughs> um, but, uh, on this topic of like, um, games creatively, uh, like, changing the sort of, like, default ways that mm-hmm. uh, we interact with them. Um, I was actually thinking about uh, Getting Over It uh, mm. with Bennett Foddy. Sure. Um, as a game that, like, also, like, just totally does away with everything you, like, think you know about moving through a video game space. Mm-hmm. Um, and then gives you a new, a new way to do it. Mm-hmm. And it's like, when you first play that game... You are just incapable of motion at mm-hmm. all. you just flail around like an idiot um and then it like um, the, I mean as you play it though you quickly get get the feel for it and mm-hmm. it, um, it can be like pretty satisfying to move around in that game once you oh yeah uh, get a hang of it but it's just it's just um it's interesting how much that like how much of a difference being familiar with like the movement style of a game mm-hmm. can have a good difference that can make. I was just, re- I feel like I might've mentioned this on the podcast before, but mm-hmm. I was reading an old article about, uh, early first person shooters in the nineties mm-hmm. and, uh, a reviewer of the, it was one of the first games where, um, the, the now standard, um, format for first person shooters, where you move with your left mm-hmm. stick and aim with the right. Mm-hmm. Like one of the first games where that was a thing. And it was described as um, like impossibly difficult to operate. Yeah. And I just thought that was so fascinating that mm. even like straight up games journalists were like, "This is yeah. impossible. People are people are never going to get used to this." Yeah. Uh, I mean, and now, and now when it comes to like gamepad based shooters, that is just de facto. taken for granted. Yeah. And there've as, been as the way you move. There've been
0: innovations. I mean, like uh, when call of duty introduced the whole, like left trigger aim, right trigger shoot, like sort of extra yeah. layer on top of that. It like changed. now that's in every, like if there's any um, first person game where you aim with a different button than the left trigger, it's like, yeah, like why pushing the down the joystick. Do I, yeah.
1: <laughs> if a game has that, I'm like, what are you doing? Yeah.
0: What is this? A fucking <laughs> PS2 game? Come on, get this shit out of my <laughs> sight. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of funny. I think, uh, Mark Brown game makers toolkit, uh, actually has a video where he talks about game controllers and how they've sort of pigeonholed design in a lot of ways. Uh, And I think it's, I don't know, just like something about the, the set of assumptions uh, can be, I don't know, can be a way that can kind of make everything stagnate uh, to where it's like, all right, here's a thing that works. So let's just roll with it. Yeah. Um, And I mean, uh, there's certainly an argument to be made that like things work that way because it's what makes sense but um i don't know yeah, i'm definitely but I'm, i mean
1: not necess- i mean yes and no because mm-hmm. at the same time when it comes to people who are not like video game players i have mm-hmm. found that that is one of the hardest things for them to it's like the mm-hmm. biggest barrier e- to entry for non gamers mm-hmm. um you know whatever gamer means but for <laughs> not like regular video game players mm-hmm. uh, the the twin stick a 3d first person control. Yeah. Um, especially, especially aiming yeah. is one of the hardest things for people to get there. Yeah. actually, their minds
0: around. I actually have a very specific memory of like, uh, myself and my cousin trying to get our sisters to play halo with us and them trying to, mm-hmm. uh, each control one stick, uh, to play with us because oh, yeah. Cause like, yeah, it's uh, a thing. It's like, uh, I can, I can handle one, but I can't handle two or like, uh, you know, <laughs> watching someone move, then stop moving, turn, with the turn the look around and then move again yeah it's it's a, uh, don't know it's it's kind of a weird it's kind of a weird thing because like someone that's been playing games you know pretty much their whole life like you and i is just gonna like pick up whatever game just be like all right here we go yeah. but like getting into games at that level i think it's i think it's one of the reasons that uh phone games have like uh kind of blown the doors off of the whole market is that uh it's like hey any every literally everyone understands how to tap a a thing that you're yeah, looking at like a touchscreen is like a super intuitive it's way more intuitive than like this weird block of plastic it's with accessible. some weird nubs sticking out that you got to move around like <laughs> weird nubs sticking out yeah i mean look at, yeah. if you if you hadn't seen a controller before and you just see this thing you're like what the fuck
1: is that <laughs> like, it doesn't make any sense what is the purpose of this device what does this thing do who who made this um <laughs> yeah um so i just had a thought I was just imagining uh trying to play a first-person shooter mm. with only controlling either the movement or the aiming. Uh, and you know it'd be a ri- you know on the topic of creative game mm-hmm. design constraints. I think I, I, I want to see a game that that is the premise mm-hmm. but you play um uh like Online, so yeah. what, you you match with someone online, and one person has to move. Oh, like maybe and the other person mayb- has to aim. Maybe you're operating a mech or something like that. Oh, and yeah. one person moves the legs, and the other person has to aim. Oh, I feel like uh, that something like that has to exist. We're we're not the. It might. I wouldn't be surprised if it does. Yeah, it,
0: at the very least, uh, a game jam game or a student game yeah. has done that. Let's let's find it. That's next week. No, just kidding. Where are we game picks for next week? <laughs> but. Uh, but yeah, yeah. I, I think there's there's definitely space to do interesting things with like subverting the way people control things or what uh, yeah.
1: removing rather than adding.
0: Yeah, exactly. Designed by subtraction. Another Mark Brown. If you're if you're not yeah. familiar with Mark Brown, Game Maker's Toolkit. Uh,
1: uh, it's it's the best uh, video game YouTube series.
0: Yeah, video essays. They're they're solid. Uh, if you're. I mean, I assume if you're listening to this podcast, you have at least a passing you're interest in game familiar. design. So I would hope that you have seen Game Maker's Toolkit uh, because they're uh, very well done and easy to uh, easy to consume video. It's kind of like every frame of painting, but for video games, uh, rest in peace, every frame of painting. <laughs> uh, but anyway, back yeah. to, to Upward. Um, I did kind of want to talk about one more thing, which is that uh, they've stripped out, a large amount of the interaction uh but they still are include mechanics by having the environment be you know all the mechanics um sure so i don't know where i'm going with that i thought i feel like i had somewhere i was going but i've i've lost it uh so with
1: mechanics as the or environment as mechanic
0: yeah i guess i guess i think generally like uh if you're playing a a platformer or something then you're like okay now i get the double jump and now i'm interacting with the double jump because that's what i as a player can do now
1: Uh, whereas in this game it's like um, yeah yeah
0: yeah. and i feel like uh, it's it's kind of a puzzle game thing like portal will do the same thing like
1: that's literally what i was just thinking yeah adding the different colored goops
0: yeah you get the little too you did the different goops and all kind of, i mean that's kind of like the whole portal thing as you get all right you got new shit go shoot your portal gun at it like you've been doing and it's gonna open up a whole new thing and be the coolest shit ever um but anyway i think it's one of the reasons why i think this game can be really frustrating is that uh again as as seasoned players we're so used to agency and uh you have so now- little of it in this game uh and your agency has to be very specific uh I don't know. It's, it's almost like a little bit more of an old school, uh, style of design in many ways. In that like, I don't know if you think about, I feel like a lot of games recently, especially when we talked about dark souls earlier, the way that dark souls has kind of shaped, uh, gaming into like, okay, we're making hard shit again. Uh, but rather than making it hard, like back in the old days where it's just obtuse and like hard, like just hard as nails, nothing to save you like this is just hard this is how it is uh to be really hard but with a few like uh little things that like make it uh easier or more forgiving so i'm thinking of uh specifically i'm thinking of something like in uh, metal gear solid 5 how uh the um you when you get seen when you're s- sneaking around and you get seen rather than the alarm going off and you're immediately failed uh, you get an alert and it goes into slow motion and it whips the camera toward whoever has seen you. And so you get a last chance to like, if you can,
1: right. if you can
0: get the shot off quick enough then you can kill them and you're still hidden from everybody else. And that is, uh, there, there's a ton of different like examples of similar mechanic. I kind of like to think of them. I call them saving throws. <laughs> so it's like in D and D when your character loses their oh, health oh, yeah, and you yeah, do yeah, saving throws right. with your dive to try and bring them back. It's like, okay, you've lost, but like, here's a way to make that a little bit more forgiving yeah yeah. so i I think it's it's a it's a new pattern that i'm seeing in a lot of modern games where it's like here's this old game that used to be like not accessible because it was too it was for a certain niche of people who wanted something that was really hard but it wasn't fun for other people because it's really frustrating but then you add just a little bit of like okay now here's something to make it a little bit more friendly and suddenly Mm -hmm. you kind of like blow the doors off. And like, this is like a a less extreme example of like dark souls, you know, your role has invincibility in it. So
1: yeah, yeah, you're rolling to get out of the way, but
0: you can also, it's just like these little things that uh, are concessions that an older game wouldn't give you. But with modern game design, I think it's one of the most exciting ways that I think modern developers are like bringing back um, some really challenging stuff is having these little ways to, uh, give yourself some breathing room to feel like you're making progress and like you're not just hitting your head against something. Cause I, I think that's something that, the re- One of the reasons I've, like, sort of been thinking about this a lot lately is so many uh, old games, when you go and try and play them, you're like, this would be really awesome if it had uh, the dash from, like, Hyperlight Drifter, if I could just, like, close the distance yeah. and, like, get out of the way really quick. But since I can't, I just have to be really, really good at this game,
1: and I'm not. And I don't want to because it's frustrating to do that to me as a modern yeah. game player. I So this is a little bit of a tangent, but uh-huh. just on the topic of, like, Irrationally frustrating, hard things in older games. Mm -hmm. Um, I was just playing Civilization uh, One Mm -hmm. um, last week, Mm -hmm. or two weeks ago, and it did the most like it just blew my mind how nonsensical it was. Mm -hmm. Um, When you're like about a thousand years in, Mm -hmm. uh, the a little pop up will show up that. Um, it says your, your subjects want to make sure you are qualified to be a good ruler, uh, and they want you to identify uh, this icon. And it shows you a randomly generated icon that is um, from, it represents one of the technologies in the game. So, nuclear power, electricity, whatever. Mm-hmm. It's like pick the two technologies that are the prereqs for this technology. And it's like mm-hmm. you need coal power and whatever. And and it's like you can find this answer in the manual, (laughs) and I was I was like I don't have the manual, so it probably isn't important. I'll just guess. I got it wrong, and it was like, uh, and then it's like my subjects deposed me, and I lost the game (laughs) because I I couldn't guess what was in the manual. manual. I was like it was it blew my mind. Just it's it's so strange the like the just. The assume the sort of things that games assume uh, is acceptable to expect from their player uh-huh. as it just changes so much over time. Sure. Like, yeah, uh, I mean, was, how old is? I was Zip like, one, my mouth was like mid-90s? open. I was like, "Are you kidding me right now?" <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, it's kind of it's kind of crazy. Some some old games hold up really well because I feel like some games, whether it was intentional or not, they kind of. Uh, I, I guess maybe it is that some of the best games shaped uh, the design of future games so much that going back to them is still uh, like cool and makes sense. But I actually had a similar experience uh, recently. In the last year, I, I got that uh, Super Nintendo Classic, which uh, so is like the little plastic console with a bunch oh, of Super yeah, Nintendo yeah. games on it. And I was playing through Super Metroid, which is a game that I think holds up really well. Except oh, there yeah. are a few. There was a part where I just I couldn't figure out where to go. So I googled how to do it, and they're like, "Do the spin jump." I'm like, what the fuck is a spin jump? And apparently, if you bought the game and you read the manual, it tells you how to do a spin jump. <laughs> but I got you know twenty <laughs> hours into the game, and I don't
1: have a manual because it's yeah, two thousand and eighteen,
0: and so uh, it was just like, well, "Oh yeah, here's how you do it." And I was like, "Oh, would you look at that?"
1: Another another fun fact about game manuals, actually. Um, I mean, these two examples we've given, it may not be that this is true for them but a lot of games in the 90s uh they they used the manual as like a janky way of having drm basically so there were some games yeah
0: yeah
1: it's like if you well yeah some of them you literally had to type in a product key Mm -hmm. but others it would be like you're playing the game and it would stop you and be like what's the fifth word on page eight of the manual oh really and and you have to type it it in that you have Damn. to type it in, and then if you don't, it doesn't let you play the game. And it's just like a way to make sure you didn't burn a copy of the CD from huh. your friend or something. That's funny. yeah, man. <laughs> well,
0: I feel like we've kind of uh,
1: gotten away from gone upward. completely off the rails. So maybe that
0: maybe that's a good sign that we've uh, we've had we've said our piece about about upward. What do, you, uh, what do you think about that?
1: Yeah, I I think I have said my piece. So um, I guess then the game we're playing next week. Um, next week we're going to play a game called Off Peak. Uh, by Cosmo D Studios, um, it's a little bit of an older game. Came out in twenty fifteen, but we're playing it because uh, a newer game called the Norwood Suite, which I did hear about. Um, they just came out this past year. Uh, this is the like the prequel of the first game from that developer, and the Norwood Suite has been getting very good reviews. But it uh, you have to pay for it, so it's uh, we decided to play the the free original game first, and then if we'd like it, we might play the Norwood Suite later. But um, you can find this game on Steam. It's just off-peak. Uh, it seems like it's some kind of exploration narrative v type game with maybe some puzzle elements. Uh, it seems like it's very surreal. Um, someone described it to me as it feels very David Lynchian. So mm. that will be, uh, I think this will be fun.
0: Sweet. Uh, I'm excited. I'm excited for some weird shit. Uh, yeah, the, the, uh, I really
1: liked Paratopic and it actually I, I feel like maybe it'll be a little bit mm-hmm. a little like Paratopic
0: cool uh, well, um, great. yeah so
1: pl- yeah play Off Peak and besides that
0: follow us on Twitter follow
1: us on Twitter be our friend uh, at Edgeguard at EdgeguardCast mm-hmm. that's the one um, that's the one uh, we tweet every week tweet out the games we play with links to them we also tweet at our creators sometimes they tweet back um, if you have a recommendation for a game want us to play tweet it at us we will almost definitely play it um as long as it's you know plausibly as long as it suck. An, an indie game no no we'll play a crappy game i will tell you if you tweet at us a crappy game that is like at least free on itch or something no this isn't what we're doing it's edge
0: guard not edge roast okay
1: <laughs> edge roast <laughs> Edge roast.
0: i think edge roast that's probably a, some cut of pork or something right sorry that's a bad joke
1: i don't think that's i think
0: bad jokes need to end and so this podcast podcast must end uh and so we will see you next week with more bad jokes dear listener